How often have crying children in your care stretched the capacity of your nerves to be the warm, patient, big-picture adult in the room or on the playground? Have you ever heard yourself or someone else tell a child or a peer or a family member or even tell yourself to not cry? Have you ever noticed that some of us have a slight tendency to tell boys not to cry a little bit more than we tell girls not to cry? Crying can be powerful medicine, as it turns out, and that's what this episode of the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast is about. Thank you for being here and sharing in the learning. My name is Nini White, and I am your grateful host. Maybe you already knew this, but I just recently learned scientists have been studying crying and They've divided the tears that come from crying into three distinct categories. Reflex tears, continuous tears, and emotional tears. The first of those two categories, reflex tears, perform the important function of removing irritants, such as smoke and dust from our eyes. The second of those two categories, continuous tears, serve to lubricate our eyes, which protects them from infection and from that awful dry eye feeling. The content of those two categories of tears is basically water mixed in with some salt, of course. What's extremely interesting, though, is the third category of tears. Emotional tears are a whole other animal, and they are far more important for long-term mental health than I had ever before understood. It has been objectively observed by science that emotional tears flush stress hormones and other toxins out of our physical system. Science has identified oxytocin and endorphins as actual ingredients in emotional tears. The makeup of emotional tears is water and salt, yes, with the added ingredients of oxytocin, oxytocin, and naturally occurring opioids, otherwise known as endorphins. If you have children of your own and you breastfed them, then you may have been told about oxytocin. Perhaps you even experienced its effects, that gentling surge of peace and well-being, no matter how stressed you may have felt just moments before your baby started to nurse. I remember that feeling to this day, I was always impressed how my body sent out hormones to regulate the mood and feelings I'd be emanating while my sons and I were connecting like that. Nature is so profoundly intelligent, eh? Endorphins, the other set of ingredients that have been identified in emotional tears, are feel-good chemicals that our bodies effortlessly produced during crying, and those naturally occurring hormones have been scientifically observed as helpers in easing both physical and emotional pain. The release of these two naturally occurring hormones when we shed emotional tears give us a more complete understanding of something we've intuited all along. Crying, when emotions become strong, can be a legitimate self-soothing action. A little more about oxytocin. Scientific observations explain that when it enters the bloodstream and is released through tears of emotional crying, relaxation, 
trust, and psychological stability are increased, while simultaneously stress responses like anxiety are reduced. Who amongst us doesn't feel better after a good cry? Now, science is giving us measurable facts that will help us to appreciate the release and healing that those tears really are providing for us, for the kids in our care, for anyone we care about. When we tell them to let it all out, those words will have even more meaning for us because we have an appreciation for the physical facts of those beneficial hormones that are helping to release stress and tension measured by another hormone often detected in emotional tears, which is cortisol, the stress hormone. And when cortisol is released, it activates the parasympathetic nervous system, helping to restore the body in the direction of emotional balance. Why does all this matter? Because without the benefit of all those health and balance-producing hormones, without that emotional release, emotions stay blocked. And blocked emotions have a strong tendency to morph into other more destructive manifestations like depression, lack of self-understanding, anger, frustration, and no healthy way to deal with those emotions, all of which do not help the social-emotional development of the kids in our care. Emotions happen and they don't always happen at convenient times or in ideal situations. And every time we can help the kids in our care to deal constructively and consciously with what they're feeling, even if that means emotional crying, then rather than worrying about what others might be thinking, what we need to do is be there for that kid and appreciate that good and healing are pouring out with those tears. And uh, just to be perfectly clear, we are referring strictly to genuine emotional tears, not the whiny, mopey kind that needs a whole other direction of guidance from us. But we can save that discussion for another episode. I am so grateful to Katie Trudeau, a homeschooling mother of three, for the article she wrote describing the scientific validity of emotional crying. Because maybe... I'm not the only one who needed to understand the benefits of emotional crying from a more objective perspective. Because when science explains the mechanics and dynamics of things that I've tended to take for granted, my responses moving forward tend to be more positive and helpful. I hope that's the same for you, too. I've included a few links to research articles about the health benefits of emotional crying in this show's notes. And if you're interested in finding out other gems of parenting insight uh, that Katie is sharing on her site, you can go to katietrudeau.com. Do me a favor, please. Give a rating and review to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you would like the Facebook page for the Big Picture Social Emotional Learning Podcast, that would be very much appreciated. Thanks. It means a lot to know that you are enjoying what I've been sharing with you here. Okay, till next time, stay safe and be well.